Hey everybody, it is Friday afternoon and I'm so excited to have Raven on. I know you guys have heard her come on our show before, but this is a little different this time. Raven is coming on this series. Everyone knows that Fiction Crown podcast, we are really taking it to the next level on mental health in our communities. Raven is from North Carolina and she is an amazing dancer. She does a lot of things, everybody. I'm gonna let her brag about herself, but I wanted to do a little bragging. But her topic with me today is my story, my legacy. Miss Raven, can you tell the audience a little more about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I am Raven Nicole, and I do have my hands in so many things. <laughs> it's incredible. But um, I started dancing at the age of four and realized, well, one, I'm named after the first African-American dancer to be signed to a um, ballet company. So I have nothing but greatness in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> My, um, she ended up being my mentor and um, a good friend to me up until her passing a couple of years ago, Miss Raven Wilkinson. But anyways, I started dancing at an early age. And from that, I discovered more about myself. Um, I practiced mindfulness um, daily. And the biggest concepts there are to be graceful and um, practice self-compassion and grace. And I think I said that already, but um, practice self-compassion and love for yourself and others. And that's where um, dance really started to help me build who I am and what I actually want to do and the change that I want to see in my community. Mm -hmm. So um, while touring as a background dancer, I decided to take my love for healing and my love for mindfulness in a different direction and created mindfulness movement. We, um, I say we, it's really team me right now, but that's okay. I'm going to speak it like it's more people, but <laughs> we are um, um, committed to integrating your cognitive, emotional, physical, spiritual beings into this movement experiences for the purpose of tackling the issue of self-care as well as fitness, um, especially in minority communities. I was diagnosed with um, mental illness at a pretty early age at 14 and 15. And then um, my diagnosis actually changed as I got older. 30 hit me kind of hard, <laughs> but um, I've been using dance not only to heal myself, but to be able to heal those in my community um, through mindfulness movement-led classes. Um, I'm recently certified in counseling as well as um, Reiki, meditation, um, mental health during COVID, uh, and a few other things, and um, in the internship phase of my clinical mental health counseling experience. So soon we will be licensed. I'm actually studying for my board exam right now, um, <laughs> but the plan is to engage in my community, continue to engage in my community through wellness and what I love the most, which is movement, dance, and mental health. I know you do a lot of things in the community and you know you're 
you're just amazing. Raven came on our show the first time and told us and spoke about her mindfulness movement. But Miss Raven, what motivates you to keep doing the mindful movement? Um, for me, it was understanding the stigma that occurs in or that is in place in the Black community. My goal is to shift the narrative. And I intend to do that through more unconventional methods of therapy for a lot of people of color. Trusting systems is hard. We, we know that. Um, trusting not just the judicial system and um, police systems, the healthcare system is a major one. I um, actually, one of the statistics that it disrupts my spirit so much is that one out of three Black people that need mental health care, mm -hmm. they don't seek it. I mean, they do seek it, the one out of Three. Two out of three, they don't seek it at all. Mm -hmm. That's problematic for me. We are two people on a call. So that means that if we had one more person here, only one of us is actually getting the care that we need. And I started to break it down. Like, why is that? And even for my own story, it's been a level of distress for the healthcare system. I would like to, but we've seen it in the past that, um, there's been reports that up until more recent years um, state that Black women don't feel pain in the same way that other individuals feel pain, which is ridiculous. But that also trickles down to how we feel about this system. If you don't even see our pain, you don't see our struggle, you don't see what's hurting us, how can you help us? Right. So for me, that has been a constant motivator. I want to be the change that is absolutely necessary in not just the Black community, the overall community, but that speaks to my heartstrings just because I am one of the three that sought health care. But what about my sister? What about my cousin? Right. What about my mom, my aunt, those that look like me that are afraid to put their trust into these different systems that have failed them for so many years. Right. And, you know, it's all about creating a safe space because a lot of people can't find a therapist because they don't trust, you know, speaking about what they're going through. How did you find a therapist and how did you, were you, you know, did you have a safe space when you found that therapist? Like if someone's listening right now and say, you know what, I'm looking for therapy, but am I safe? Were you safe when you started going to therapy? My first experience with crisis, um, I think it is important for me to tell this part of my story. Um, I did not have a therapist of color initially. Mm -hmm. And when I was in crisis, um, I couldn't reach my actual therapist. And I was trying to tell her office what was going on, as well as the crisis hotline, because I could not control my emotions. I could not control my feelings. And I felt like I couldn't control my actions. I was literally on the floor crying, thinking of all of the ways to harm myself. Mm -hmm. And... I decided in that moment, my dogs, you'll, you might hear them in the background, they actually came up to me and I was like, okay, I have something to live for. And I had to keep telling myself that 
had to keep revving on them. And I was like, okay, this isn't enough because I'm still having these thoughts. So I left my house and I sat outside. My brother was on his way back from Tennessee. He was a couple of hours away, but I refused to go back inside without someone here that loved me, someone here that could protect me and just someone being aware of what was happening because I couldn't figure it out. I honestly had no clue. So I sat outside for hours on the phone with crisis hotlines and my um, therapist's office. So finally, I got in touch with um, my, uh, well, the office's physician um, Mm -hmm. or the physician assistant. And we were just chatting. She was like, you know, the basic questions, what are you going through? What are you experiencing? And I was very clear with her how I felt. And I was aware enough of my own feelings to remove myself from any type of danger. So I I knew that I could snap back into myself. I just, Mm -hmm. I never experienced those thoughts before. My brother happened to be maybe around the corner when she started saying, you're a danger to yourself. You're in danger. You need to leave. You're in danger to yourself. You're harmful. And I kept hearing those negative things and they were latching on to what was already going on in my head. And I'm like, I need you to stop saying that. I need you. And she was like, look at you, you're making it worse. And it, she was saying basically every wrong thing that you can think of to a person who is depressed and in crisis. That's what she laid out to me. And my brother just happened to walk in when she said, you're a danger to yourself. And he was like, don't talk to my sister that way. He's very protective over me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, don't talk to my sister that way. Don't, don't do that. She's not a danger to herself. She called you so that she could prevent any danger to herself. And she was like, well, I believe that she is. And I'm sending the cops. And Chris, said, Chris is my brother. He was right. like, no, no, no. Because we've seen, again, she's not a woman of color. She's not a person of color. But Mm -hmm. I have seen calls for those that are going through crisis or having mental illness issues. Mm -hmm. The cops are called and then they don't, you don't see them anymore. They don't, they don't get to live the next day. So my brother said, no, you will not call the cops. If anyone's going to take her to the hospital, it'll be me. So. Mm -hmm. That was my first hospital experience. And I had this really sweet angel of a nurse. She reminded me of what my grandmother, my grandmother would look like if she were still alive. Like she just gave off that glow. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is really weird. She shared a name with my grandmother. So I was like, okay, angels. Um, (laughs) Like, I'm going to, I'm going to get you help. I'm going to make sure you're okay. And I'm going to make sure your brother's okay. But you stay here. You've got stuff to live for. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she actually got me in contact with, um, even the hospital was recommending me a different area, but she was like that. No, we need to get her with someone that understands because what y'all just did was traumatizing. And she was right. Hearing your danger over and over again makes you, makes the voices in your head say, yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Because words are powerful. Words are absolutely powerful. Mm -hmm. So she contacted um, a friend of hers and her friend ended up setting me up with an awesome therapist here. Mm -hmm. Um, She is a woman of color. I appreciate that because she'll understand my experiences and even my psychiatrist is another woman of color and 
it makes me feel like my my thoughts, my feelings, my words, my actions, they're validated. Right. They're not, they don't diminish any of what I say is happening. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate that. So I happen to, I feel like I got lucky there. I, I had an earthly angel here to make sure that I was covered. Um, but there are also, of course, other resources for those that are interested in finding um, therapists of color, therapists that look like them, um, you know, uh, therapy for black girls or therapy for black men. And there's also Latinx um, therapy um, yes. sites. So there's a lot of different resources available to us, which I'm, I'm very fortunate about. Um, but I say all of that to say that's how I found my therapist. (laughs) And another thing, you know, we are very big on self-care. When I talk to Raven or I text her out of the blue, I'm like, are you doing self-care? Now, everybody who talk about self-care, you know, we go and get a massage and, you know, the beautiful things. But Raven, what are a few things, if, if you have someone someone listening right now, what are some things that you do for self-care that makes you feel great about yourself? Oh, I believe in the power of a journal. My arms aren't long enough, but it's right over there. Um, (laughs) um, And not just journaling. um, My day was great today. And I did this, this, this. I journal the ugly so I can also track, you know, my triggers and things that bother me or track the things that did make me happy and help to bring me out of depression. I want all of that information so that I can look back and say, this is what happened. This is how I felt, but this is how I got out of it. So um, I think self-care, the part that people ignore the not so cute part, the, Mm -hmm. the innermost work, the understanding your emotions, that is some dark stuff. Sometimes the uncovering the traumas that you've dealt with in the past, like it gets heavy. So I would say for me, um, journaling and meditating has been super impactful for me. And another thing, getting out in nature, I'm I'm a huge plant mom, (laughs) but um, there have been health benefits, um, putting your hands in the soil, it releases some type of microbe that is actually like a feel good. So, hey, do it. But Mm -hmm. um, going out and grounding and looking at you know, the beauty that's around me, like feeling the breeze against my skin and and the sun and being able to see the the green on the trees, the blue in the sky, realizing that I'm here and I'm I'm able to do this. This is a blessing and not taking it for granted, really practicing out, um, practicing mindfulness outside has just Mm -hmm. been one of those things that has shifted my awareness of not just myself, but my surroundings. I'm here. I'm present. I'm okay. And I say that whenever I'm having like one of those anxious moments, I'm here. I'm present. I'm okay. I'm safe. These are all things that I say to myself and I may look a little crazy walking around my neighborhood, but this is how (laughs) I take care of me. (laughs) Like you said, words are powerful. And these are things that I needed to hear. My inner child needed to hear it so that she can really thrive. And I like the part of you journaling because you are tracking your process, you're tracking your growth. And that's what I like about um, the topic with my story, my legacy. What is your, what is your legacy for mental health? Where do you see yourself? What do you, what do you see yourself doing with mental health? 
I want to change the way that people look at therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend sit right on the couch with me and say, well, maybe you weren't depressed. Maybe you were just having a bad day. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. it's not always a bad day. Sometimes there are things that are really hurting. There are things that have been awakened that you need to take care of instead of just pushing it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to change how people view it. If therapy isn't a curse word. Mental illness isn't a curse word. It's okay. If I say I have um, depression, if I touch you, you don't contract it. Like, it's okay. (laughs) Being able to have those conversations and even introduce my people to unconventional methods of therapy, that is my ultimate goal. So we can stop looking at it like, oh, they must be a bad person. They're experiencing that or like, what? What is it? I had the worst experience that I think I've had is someone's like, what does it feel like? Like if I'm still me, right. you didn't even know that I've been dealing with depression, anxiety, and, and you know, everything else, traumas since early age, I'm still me. Like don't, don't stigmatize who I am. That same person that you love and you call your friend is the same person that has struggled with these things, is coping with these things and hoping to change it in their community. So um, all in all, I just want to stop looking at it like, oh, this person's crazy. They're laying on the couch talking to someone, giving them all their business. No, I wanted to change it from I'm in therapy to I'm healing. Mm -hmm period. <laughs> she said period, y'all. She's healing. <laughs> and the thing that I like about your movement is that it's online. It's on Instagram and you have a website. So anybody that's listening, what type of resources are you giving or allowing people to understand therapy with mindfulness movement? So aside from the different things that I put out there, um, every Monday you can expect to see wellness or mindfulness tips and, you know, different ways to practice awareness throughout your um, daily lives. But I'm also, I think I post more about other people's resources than (laughs) what I even have available. Um, Like I was saying earlier, things like um, therapy for black girls, Mm-hmm. I love what they're doing. I love that they've created a full database for um, therapists throughout the nation so that you can easily access them. But I also felt that it was important to include free resources because that's one of the biggest things that um, when I'm talking to people about seeking counsel or going to therapy, um, that's the pushback that I get. Um, it, it's usually, you know, I'm not going there. They're going to think this. So it's the judgment side and then it's the financial side. And I'm like, Mm-mm. nope, we're not skipping our healing because of costs. There are cost efficient programs. There's sliding scale therapy. There's so many different resources available to you. But if you, I had a manager that used to say it all the time. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So you have to put it out there. And that's been Um, absolutely necessary for me, putting it out there and not allowing my community to use that as an excuse anymore. I'm eliminating all excuses (laughs) Um, because I I feel like, and I hate to say it like this, but oftentimes 
and I, I speak for a lot of black women, we're put on the bottom of the totem pole. Yes, we're strong and we can hold it up, but we, we don't always want to be at the bottom. Mm -hmm. so at some point, we need to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. And therapy is, there's the cute side of self-care where you go get, you know, massages and, and facials and bubble baths and all of that great stuff. What if we started looking at therapy like a spa for your mind? Mm, I like that. It feels good, you know, addressing your your trauma so that you can be the your best self or a better version of you. That's important. Like, mm -hmm. go to the spa. Nothing, nothing's wrong with that. But also take the time to to relax your mind and get in there and, and make sure everything's clean and everything's pristine. You know, right. <laughs> it's not always going to be perfect, but. I've gone to um, dermatologists. If I want to fix my skin, I know that I seek them, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to fix my brain, why wouldn't I go to my therapist who understands it? Right. If I had an arm, I go to a physician. Mm -hmm. So start looking at it differently. I know right now Raven has um, been doing a vlog of herself and giving everybody the insight on everything that she does please go on and follow her. And Raven, what are your handles? If someone wants to follow your story and what you're going through and how you want to share your testimony, what's your Instagram handle that someone can go to? So all of my um, social handles are going to be at Raven underscore Nicole underscore. And then my business ones are going to be Mindfulness Movement NC. Make sure you put the NC or else you're finding somebody else. <laughs> and she does. She has a vlog. I, I, I call it a vlog. She might call it something else. But she shares what, you know, herself. Um, and it's her new one. She hasn't posted anything yet. But when you are posting about your experiences how do you feel after you record those experiences because i've watched several and i'm like mm -mm, i can't record that jesus nah i ain't getting on them how do you feel after um i being 100 percent honest with you i would love to say that it's all rainbows and butterflies and daisies mm -hmm. but every single time that i've posted um so most of what I've posted has gone on um, YouTube about my self-care hair journey, but the stuff that I've posted on um, social and even YouTube, I'm, I'm not going to lie there either. After I get the <laughs> notification that it's posted, I log out completely and you will either find me, I might be crying or I might be just sitting there and breathing because now I have made myself vulnerable. I've put my whole self out there to the world with stuff that I never thought I'd be sharing. I never, I mean, I've, I've always been an open book and comfortable with sharing my story, but there are certain parts that I, I did not think that I would share with the world that I live with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. I did not think that I would ever get in front of a camera and say, I just lost all my hair. And I've always had like a ton of hair. I looked like baby Sasquatch as a child. <laughs> it was everywhere. <laughs> but um, I never thought I'd be able to do that or anything like that. So after I do have to debrief with myself and say, um, ma'am, you just put that out there. Are you, you sure you are okay with that? Like, right. <laughs> and the answer 
so far has always been yes, because someone needs to hear my story. Maybe sharing my story will um, help someone else heal. I got a DM and I, of course, won't share the name, but it was one of those um, stories where a friend of mine or associate, however you want to put it, but a, a friend of mine, um, she reached out and she said, I was so afraid to share my story. You're telling a story that I wish I had the strength to. And had you not said anything, I probably wouldn't have looked into going back to therapy or um, taking the time to really figure out what's going on in my body. Because all I knew was that I was losing my hair too. Mm-hmm. And I just covered it up with wigs and and went on about my day. And I'm like, I mean, you could have always talked to me. And she was like, well, I get that. But who wants to admit that this part of themselves is gone? Who wants to keep reliving trauma or grief? And I said, touche, you have a point there. <laughs> but that's just a, that's indicative to me that my story, even if it just touches one person, that's more than I, I thought it would. I just wanted to tell my story so that I could get it out. And, you know, um, I don't know the exact saying, but um, when you put a name on something, you can face it. Mm-hmm. So by me saying these words, this is what I'm dealing with. No, it can't come attack me. I can't be the victim of bipolar disorder anymore because I've already said, this is what it is. Okay, now how do we fix it? Like you can't, you can't have that power over me. I have power over me. And even with the hair loss thing, I told you today, this is the first time I let my twist out. And yes, the hair is still thin in some areas, but guess what? Here I am. Who I am on the inside has been beautiful throughout and that's who's going to shine today. So it's, it's never been about hair. But it was one of those things I had to take those twists out and, and confront myself in the mirror and say, okay, it's okay. You're healing through this. And even this moment, though it's hard and you're seeing yourself differently than you've seen yourself in the years that you've been alive, you're here. You're human. And right. you're alive. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a new opportunity each day to share my story and help heal someone else. And that as you can see, the smile's getting bigger, but (laughs) it brings so much joy to me and like happiness, genuine happiness to know that someone somewhere might be listening and might take the steps to bettering themselves. Like that's my purpose. (laughs) I'm walking in my purpose. If that doesn't bring you an extreme uncontainable amount of pride and, and gratefulness to God that you saw, you saw me before I could see myself and allowed me to share my purpose. Mm-hmm. And though the journey wasn't always, you know, great or ideal, you placed this in me because you knew I could and you knew what it would do for someone. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. And sometimes we don't, we don't look at that. We look at the, the right now and the why. A lot of us ask the why. And then when we get to the end of the reason of the why, we're smiling so big. If you guys could, everyone who's listening, (laughs) if you could see her smile, you know, a lot of people who will listen or listening to this podcast are going, you know what? I just can't find my smile. And it's so funny because 
for myself, everybody knows that I have a really high anxiety tax as well. And it's so funny that the other day I posted on Instagram, me swinging in my chair and I'm smiling. And there's this song that says, keep on moving. And it's like, you find the little things to make you smile. And sometimes that smile is helping somebody else. Yes. That's why I wanted to create this podcast season four for mental health is because someone needs to hear the story. And you guys are hearing not only Raven's story, but this is her legacy. The legacy is big. It's not just her, but it's about the seeds that she's planting in herself and in her community. So as you listen to this podcast, you are hearing a woman who has a story, but she's building her legacy and she's building her self-worth even more. So you don't hear a sad story. You're, you're hearing a woman who's saying, you know what, I have this, I, it's not killing me, it's not destroying me, it's building me because I'm impacting so many women, and she's impacting not only women, but girls, people, women, girls need it too, when you see, when you go on her website, you'll see that she loves to travel, I'm like, why did she take me? <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> You find so many things that to be grateful for. You may have anxiety. Like people are like, anxiety, does it, like she said, does it hurt? It's like, no, it doesn't hurt. It's you have a trigger that builds on that anxiety. And um, everyone, before we end this beautiful podcast, I always ask everyone that I started at the end, give me three words that describes who Raven is. Resilient. Optimistic. Mm. Energetic. <laughs> so what's those three? Say them again. Resilient, mm-hmm. optimistic, and energetic. <laughs> and yes, though I've been knowing Raven for, we're going on a year. And it feels like I've been knowing her half of my life because this is my little sister and all three of those are true. (laughs) Everybody, this is Raven Nicole. I am Tristica from Nerdrill Inc. This is our Fix Your Crown podcast. This is our mental health campaign. We are just planting seeds and letting everyone know it is okay to build your legacy And it's okay to have a story while you're building your legacy. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.